Empire. The peer-to-peer gaming model gains traction. I place a wager, you take the other side of it. Once the match settles, that wager uh, comes, uh, and let's say you win, that money comes directly back into your wallet. You don't need to go and try to withdraw from the platform and wait a few days to get that money back into your uh, in your hand. That's Varun Sadakar, co-founder and CEO of the fully decentralized BetDex Exchange. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Gambling is growing rapidly, and we have profiled how it's not only integrated in big-time sports, but all of the players out there who are trying to edge out some of the mainstays for customers and their piece of the pie. And BetDex is doing it in a fully modern way with its capabilities. Our guest this week is Varun Sadakar, who is the co-founder and the CEO of the BetDex Exchange, which is the first fully licensed decentralized sports betting exchange built on blockchain technology. Oh, this is the future, Varun. Nice to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing it all, Brown. How are you? Okay. You are entered into, you're a former FanDuel executive, so I want to get to that in a moment. So this is not obviously from out of nowhere, but this feels very modern, what you are trying to build. Um, What was the purpose and and what was the thought process behind putting together BetDex? Obviously, as you mentioned, worked at FanDuel uh, for a number of years. um, And I think, yeah, through the sports betting industry and and through, through that experience, what we basically learned was uh, sports betting and sports obviously is an absolutely massive industry, um, but there's some issues with it, uh, specifically as it relates to sometimes, you know, difficulty getting your bet on, sometimes, uh, high fees or withdrawing your money. And we wanted to create a, uh, product that could really enable a differentiated user experience. And so that's why we created BetStack, uh, which as you mentioned is a sports betting exchange built on the blockchain which I think can help uh, solve a lot of those problems. Okay. But uh, go back to a moment, getting your money out. That's not a problem at FanDuel. <laughs> Is it like transactions? and? No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. No, not at all. It's not a problem at FanDuel. I think it like may take a few days, but like there's a time to like, but it's not a problem at FanDuel. But if you're betting on, let's say a Bovada or, you know, another book, it's sometimes yeah. you, know, you have to fight with them to get them to send you a check. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so why blockchain technology? Why did you want to go that route um, in building this? Yep. So the blockchain technology, so it allows us to offer a product one which is uh, non-custodial. Um, so what that actually means is we, we as BetSec, never actually touch or hold player funds. And so when you uh, say you and I place a wager, I place a wager, you take the other side of it. Once the match settles. That wager uh, comes, uh, and let's say you win, that money comes directly back into your wallet. You don't need to go and try to withdraw from the platform and wait a few days to get that money back into your, uh, in your hands. So uh, that was a key differentiator for us. Another reason is uh, our platform, we don't stake limit winners. Um, so if you are a winner who, if a player who is ROI positive, uh, you can come and wager on our platform. We're not going to limit you because of that. And third, we're built on top of open source. Our tech stack itself uh, and our costs are 
dramatically lower than what a traditional book may encounter. So our fees are much lower than what you would pay on a traditional uh, sports book. Okay. Uh, what are the fees and how are they different? What's the difference? Uh, so right now, right now it's zero. We just launched two months ago. We're still in beta, uh-huh. um, but they will be, you know, like I'll call it sub sub two percent right. is what we what they will be. Um, you compare that to a traditional thing like FanDuel, DraftKings. Uh, on there, the fees are probably uh, eight to ten percent, um, and then on a sports betting exchange, they're closer to like four to five percent. Okay, um, are you building this out to be strictly peer to peer? Or are you building this out to be a traditional sports book operator where you're setting lines, setting props, whatever it may be? It's a peer-to-peer exchange, yeah. So it's uh, strictly peer-to-peer. Um, but you can have people such as market makers come in and you know help feed the market and set what the, the lines would be. Um, but it is a peer-to-peer exchange. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the demand for peer-to-peer why do you think that that is the platform that will be of choice for sports bettors? So if you, I'll, I'll answer that question in a slightly different way, which is if you think about even like what a sports book is, a sports book in and of itself is an exchange. It's just a one-sided exchange from the view of the, of the, you know, the better, right? Um, so what we are trying to do is so we've created BetDex, which is the uh, sports betting exchange in this interface. Then there's uh, there's this underlying like tech which is the protocol which is the on chain which is the actual like matching engine and algorithm and so that has been call it you know fully uh, open source that anyone can go and build upon it and access that same kind of like shared liquidity pool and same base of players so we've created an interface which is called geared towards value betters so I say right so people who know what an an exchange is and 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 care about things like price, but there's nothing to say that someone else couldn't come and build a more retail sportsbook esque interface on top of the uh, on top of that same platform. Huh. So, are you suggesting a user could come in and essentially build something that's more traditional on top of this, or are you looking at this strictly as it's peer to peer? I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. I set a spread. Who wants to bet me on it? So it's peer to peer. So it's like exactly like you mentioned, like you know the lines. If you look at it, it's like I think the Chiefs just want to win the Super Bowl using that. Uh, you know, so I would say the Eagles being an Eagles fan, but yeah, <laughs> and it uh, and it's set that line, and someone could come and take it. But I'll give you an example, right? So on top of this technology. We recently held a hackathon where someone built a, a product. We called it like PinBet, and it kind of looks like a Tinder type betting application where it just displays one price uh, for the bet that you that, that you uh, want to place. And with like a swipe of a uh, you know your finger, you can place that bet, right? And so that's built on top of the same exchange type technology, but the interface is just much much simpler, and it looks more simple, like it's like a one click bet. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, 
tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. Do you get any sense that the traditional or the early adopters of all fantasy gaming, gambling, like FanDuel, DraftKings, et cetera, that they're going to start to kind of go to a model like this? Or, or do you think that the, what you're building will kind of run concurrently with what is the traditional gambling operator sites? The U.S. is a, is a great example. So I think like the early adopters in the U.S., and a lot of them were people come from, I'll call it more, like sometimes like even in the fantasy business, we saw like poker backgrounds or things of like that nature, right? Yeah. And I think that those are what I'll call our value better than who like an exchange type interface really appeals to. Um, and by... In the U.S., you can see, especially like in the early days when sports betting started, most of the betters and what they really cared about was bonusing and and multiples and parlays and things of that nature, right? They're not as, I'll call it, price sensitive as what like a value better may be. Uh, yeah. But if you look at markets abroad, uh, more mature markets, if you look at the U.K., if you look at Asia as like very mature market, et cetera, there's a higher percentage of value betters. Um, and I think that eventually the U.S. will you know, start trending in that direction as well. It's just right now, there's just a much more, I'll call it, uh, uh, seg- the segment is it's very different given it's, it's a new market where people are, and in, in the, in the people that are betting, they care about different things right now. Yeah. So what do they care about? Promotions? Because clearly, like, that's what's being inundated in advertising markets when jurisdictions, you know, change laws. Is that what they're looking Promotions? The mass market in the U.S., yes. Like, yeah. the retail in the U.S., that's what they care about. It's promotions, it's free bets, it's parlays. It's, like, a chance to bet $5 and win 15000 right? Even though it's horrendous <laughs> right. bets to make, right? <laughs> Things right. like that. I think that that's definitely what, like, the mass market in the U.S. cares about. I'm not saying that there are not value betters in the U.S. There definitely are. Some of them were like the early adopters of the product, but especially as like you know, legislation is opening up state by state, and you look at like the 80% of like in terms of like uh, the number of betters that are betting, they care more, way more about like promotions and bonusing. Yeah, and then to your point about all the parlay betting, and I actually just recently saw something on on ESPN where they did kind of an in-depth at how popular all these same game parlays are. And that's not a very mature betting market because clearly those are low, like percentage winning type of propositions. It is interesting that that's of interest to the American better, at least early here in all of this. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's the other difference I would uh, say, especially with, American sports, which my international colleagues will hate me for saying this, um, is that there is this whole like media and advertising uh, industry which has done a really good job of marketing the sport product to the casual better in the U.S. And I think that they've done a much better job of that and marketing that to retail than they do internationally, right? So I think that that is also a driving factor of things such as like same game parlays. Um, and, and it's one of the not only, but one of the reasons why you don't actually see that as much abroad. Yeah. And the other part, the interesting part of the peer-to-peer model, too, is because you brought up, obviously, you worked at FanDuel, you know, fantasy, while I don't know where we are with what you want to describe it as, whether it was skill or, or gambling or a combination of both back in the day before you could, whatever, <laughs> however, you like, however, we were allowed to talk about it back then. But whatever. I mean, we all get yeah. that there was some level of a, of a wager that was being put on it, whether it was daily or season long. That is all peer-to-peer, that actually the American better, or at least the younger generation that wasn't doing it either in Las Vegas or illegally, 
was doing peer-to-peer, right? I mean, that's kind of how this was built here. Yeah, so, uh, so in the fantasy business, there are there two types. You could do peer-to-peer, uh, but there were also like uh, like guaranteed price pool contests, uh, which we ran, which are not strictly peer-to-peer, um, but uh, in terms of the prizes being paid out. But yeah, you are right in general, like fantasy is a peer-to-peer business. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost as if like the young generation of American betters were primed to look at it differently than in a mature market now that it's open. I think eventually they will, right? Yeah. Um, I think that like the 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 thing that you need to not battle against, but the thing that's like slowing that progress is just the amount of money that companies are putting into like user acquisition and free bets and and, yeah. and promotions of that nature to drive like this uh, gamification and like perceived value, if you want to call it, that you get from these uh, you know, from the offers that they're putting out. Um, but you are absolutely right. Like even, even like, I mean, you take away FanDuel and DraftKings, go even before that, like fantasy sports on ESPN season long fantasy was here to here, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, let's close with bet decks. Um, what's the user experience like? Take us through the technology. What will they see? Uh, what will they be part of if they join? Um, so the user experience, so we launched two months ago, go to app.betdex.com. Um, we are currently operational only in, inter- in international markets, so uh, China, uh, other parts of Asia, South America, uh, Africa, or largely where we go and operate. Um, what you need to go and wager, you need a uh, Solana wallet. That's the uh, blockchain that we're built on. And you need USDT. That's the currency that we use uh, to wager with. So you can go onto the site right now, and if you have those, and, and if you get that wallet, you get the currency, you, uh, you can go and place a wager. Uh, we're running football markets right now. Um, football, sorry, being soccer markets. And we will have uh, NFL markets up very soon. Varun Sadakar is the co-founder and the CEO of the BetDex Exchange. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Brent. On the next Future Sport Podcast, AI's growing capabilities and how that can help a franchise sell tickets and more. And so in, in our product, you know, our 400 customers are giving us verified content, verified answers that they want to present to their fan or, or visitor. And that's where it becomes a unique understanding of where is this answer coming from? Is it being generated or is it being verified? That's Don White, CEO of Satisfy Labs, on all of the advancement in AI chat technology. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.